Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> what is up, y'all? It's Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are having or had a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Old Froth. I appreciate it. So it is Sunday. So today I am kind of recapping what happened during my Saturday game. I'm running the night below. Two era box set with a Frankenstein, AD&D, BX, 2E, whatever else. And uh, it was good to get back to playing because we were off the previous week from the holiday. Times are flying by. And uh, it wasn't a super long session. I was had to start a little bit late and then I had to drop it a little bit early. So it was probably about only about two hours of game time. But it was still fun. And uh, if you've been following along, the party is basically trying to, it's kind of metagamey, but they're really trying to gather, you know, gain some levels, gain some experience, gain some power before they take on these trolls uh, down in the Underdark. Uh, They're just not quite ready. Uh, and they they have to kind of take care of the trolls in order to gain favor with the Snurf Neblin deep gnomes um and that's what they really want to do so luckily there is some still some things that uh that they can do um particularly in this area of the heronshire the campaign area there's a a rift a valley or a gorge called the great rock dale that's infested with humanoids so the party had decided to return there last week and uh and take care, you know, take care of the humanoids. And so I say last week, I mean, two weeks ago, last session. So the other thing that happened a couple of sessions ago or one session ago, a couple of weeks ago, hello froth, is that Puck the thief was killed by trolls, uh, mercilessly torn to ribbons. So the player that plays Puck rolled up a new character and rolled up a first edition Druid. They had the ability scores to qualify. You have to have, I believe, a 15 Wisdom and a 17 Charisma. So not always easy to hit that 17, but um, hit it. And uh, I was really excited about playing this new Druid named Desmond. And uh, I don't blame him. That 1E Druid, well, it's okay. But what makes it really cool is um, I'm using spontaneous casting. I've mentioned this before with both the wizards and clerics and, you know, any spellcaster. And the way that basically works is for the wizards, they can cast, if they have a slot, they can cast anything out of their spell book, you know, that fits the slot at any time. And for the clerics and druids, it's even cooler. They can basically cast anything off that, uh, AD&D player's handbook list. So clerics and druids have a, you know, a nice, you know, have everything at their level at their fingertips. And by doing it that way, you allow for a, a bigger variety of spells to come into play. And I think it's more fun and I don't think it's game breaking. And, uh, so I was excited for the player cause I know that they, they were excited about it cause there's a lot of cool, you know, utility, uh, and just kind of strange little druid spells, you know, or, or tweaks on, uh, tweaks on magic user spells and that kind of thing. So, you know, if you can play a druid and you have access to all the spells at any time, it's uh, pretty fun. 
Also, they brought them in at third level, and I used the appendix um, of the DMG where you can roll for a percentage chance of magic items, depending on how high level the... Uh, the the character is and uh, rolled low for him a few times so they ended up with some uh, plus one armor and uh, a plus one scimitar and a couple other things so as far as bringing them into the game you know at this point in the campaign and where they were at you know they're still kind of escaping the underdark i just brought them in as uh, being a druid that kind of you know maybe lives in kind of a remote area nearby uh maybe knew one of the rangers and um had you know word has been spreading about the threat from the underdark and just wanted to help you know we didn't try to do anything too fancy with it just bring the player right in so so anyway uh the party spent uh the first part of the campaign really just making the making their way from the the underdark tunnels kind of the cave tunnels that they were in Back out to Kuiper, the ranger who had accompanied them, uh, back to Kuiper's farm, resting for the night, and then heading to the Great Rock Dales. So that's, you know, it's kind of a significant amount of travel just to do that. So that took about a day of the game time. We're still in the winter time, but there was no, I know I've been talking about weather recently, but there was no adverse weather. It was just kind of really cold, but uh clear skies and no no biting winds or anything like that so um the weather didn't have any kind of effect on on the travel and so the party uh after resting they made their way back to the great rock dale and so you know savvy listeners or even probably the average classic D D enthusiast would will probably be able to guess what module i'm using uh to flesh out these caves here and um but I have boosted it a little bit or altered them depending on which caves they are. So you might recognize what happens here as, as they kind of rappel down to the to the cave. What I've been doing uh, as a rule for, for the climbing and everything is just having everybody roll a d20 and something bad will happen on a fumble, you know. And nothing bad's happened yet, but as one of the players pointed out, it's just kind of a matter of time. But I kind of like that, you know. I, I like that ruling I threw in there. There's just a, a slight chance of... Uh, something happening on the climb and I'll, uh, if it happens, I'll, I'll come up with something, <laughs> come up with something if that happens, but, uh, nobody has rolled a one yet. So they, they managed to lower themselves and, and they come down to a cave that unlike some of the other ones, doesn't show a lot of foot traffic at all. Um, and it's, you know, kind of really quiet and is uh, you know, they're all natural caves, but some have been worked a little bit or had a door added or whatever none of that is here just a dark cave and um so this is one where in the the original module it kind of assumes that you're playing theater of the mind and that the maps are only really for the the gm and what basically happens is about 30 feet into the cave there is a spell kind of an enchantment of directional confusion that happens on a failed saving throw that causes the PCs to kind of get lost and get separated and that kind of thing. Now, as I'm using a battle mat for this, uh, um, I had to handle it a little bit differently. And it was a little bit tricky with the light sources and everything, but I kind of liked the way I did it. You know, I just had 
everybody as they kind of entered roll saving throws and so some of them you know everybody but Xanril the cleric failed and really I just then placed them kind of randomly throughout this kind of maze-like cave and so some were some could see each other some couldn't some were in total darkness some weren't some were near some in you know some some uh, monsters and some weren't so it kind of gave them a unique starting point um for the for the encounter and uh the basic the, the first kind of encounter where there's kind of deep in these labyrinths there was they could see the glowing abdomen of some fire beetles so there were there were a few fire beetles roaming around and then one of the caves kind of cave chambers had a bunch of sturges so unfortunately for xanrol they they didn't get lost but the sturges all kind of sprung in the action from the ceiling right near xanrol and so xanrol was kind of overcome momentarily with with some sturges had like four getting ready to suck his blood you know jamming that proboscis in wherever they could you know <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Cass was fighting a, uh, some fire beetles and one critted on her, so that um, took a little chunk out of her. And then um, uh, the Terran, the ranger, was, was fighting another one. Uh, meanwhile, it gave um, Desmond, the, the druid, a, a chance to shine with a, a hold, uh, hold animal spell. So Desmond took care of a couple of fire beetles, and um, through all this, uh, Lanix, the magic user, started off invisible. They'd been invisible for days. Like, I don't even think they, they know where their toothbrush or anything is anymore. They, it's kind of like, you know, what well, was like being in, uh, what was it? There's like a movie where they stay in, you stay in virtual reality too long, or maybe it was like flatliners where you can't stay dead for too long or something like that. Put that passing thought in my mind because they've been invisible for like you know a week or something but anyway they finally came out of invisibility to cast uh, sleep on um on the sturges to get them off of xanril so they all all the sturges just dropped to sleep and so the party kind of gathered uh you know regrouped and found each other in the chambers and around that time they heard a growling and uh like a snorting and it was a minotaur that lived in this labyrinth cave. And so the minotaur came out charging and attacked uh, Lanix, the magic user, who had just happened to be the closest one in its path, and immediately with the spear put Lanix down. However, it did not, you know, you know, dismember Lanix or anything. It was just kind of, in some situations like that, I'll just do, you know, allow, allow for kind of magical CPR if somebody could drop a heel on him real quick but he was down and then the rest of the party you know kind of swarmed the minotaur and fought and it was you know it was okay probably should have thrown a couple of minotaurs in there but um they, they eventually took the minotaur down and, and healed up so it just made for a kind of a well i could say this it wasn't fun to track first of all with the uh Try not to. Sometimes I think that's why people will hand wave light sources because it can be such a pain to track. Um, but anyway, tracking the light sources because the, the way that this this cave chamber is set up, there's all these kind of twists and turns and everything. So there's all this blocking terrain that would block the light, 
and trying to kind of guesstimate and move that around as the players moved proved to be kind of a pain in the butt, quite frankly. The other thing, too, is I had no way of anticipating which cave they were going to go into, so I, I was having to flip around between the monster manual and the kind of monster Thacko charts um, a little bit. So I was a little bit harried running it, but it was still, I think, was, was fun, kind of a unique encounter something that felt a little bit different than just walking into a room or whatever. So, and the, the players played well. Um, and so what was good about it, another good thing from the player standpoint is, you know, they'd gone a few sessions without really finding any treasure. They just kill a wandering monster that didn't happen to be in its lair or, you know, kill one troll and not be able to get it all the way into the caves to find out whatever else they had. And, so they hadn't had a good treasure haul in a while, and uh, but here they did. The Minotaur had several goodies for them, including a plus one spear, some plus one plate mail, um, several pieces of jewelry, and uh, some potions, like a potion of gaseous form, very cool, potion of growth, very cool, and a regular potion of healing. The other thing it had is a, a staff of, well... And the module is a Staff of Healing, which in 1st edition I translated into Staff of Curing, which is an interesting item. Um, you know, you can do things like cure blindness, cure disease, and, and that sort of thing, but also cast cure wounds at, uh, you know, 3d6 plus 3 hit points. And it does have some limitations that are kind of weird and not exactly phrased very clearly, but uh, basically it can do each of its functions twice a day, but only once per person. So there was slight discussion of that. It just ended up like, well, don't worry about it. I'll just track it. And, um, and then it, it didn't indicate, uh, not having any charges. So an AD and D ended up rolling and it has, uh, they spent one charge. So they've got like 25 charges on it. So that's a, that's a nice healing item that I know is going to help them quite a bit that it's good to have some good backup healing there, um, which they needed on uh, Lanix, the magic user. So I'm um, trying to think if there's anything else that interesting about it. Like I say, I, I usually try to have just the quick stats, Thacko hit, Thacko hit points and uh, movement, AC and movement written down for, for monsters. But um in this case, I didn't really know where they were going. And so, I, you know, I just didn't have my notes super together to, to be able to run it super smoothly. The other thing too, was looking at a few different, um, double checking a few spells to make sure I had them right. You know, like, uh, uh one of the clerics cast sanctuary on themselves and and there's just no quick way to do that. You just got to kind of flip and look. I just don't have that stuff memorized, you know? So, but anyway, it was fun. We're going to run again next week for sure. And hopefully next week we'll, we'll do a, a much longer session, but I think this one will be good to have boosted there. Uh, give them a nice XP boost. Definitely gave a little power boost, you know, some extra healing, some extra defenses, maybe a little off, extra offense, some, some cool options with the growth and gaseous form. Those are not only cool mechanically, but also, you know, fun. Like you drink that whole growth potion, you, your height increases by 24 feet. So 
you know, that's one that I would definitely have been trying to grab just for the fun of it, you know, and it was figure out a cool session to basically turn into a, a huge giant. And, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Weren't any, you know, no tragedies befell anybody. It was just a fun combat encounter that, um, you know, it was a little unique, a little different. So hopefully everybody had fun, but I know it just probably felt short to them. It felt short to me. And if it feels, feels short to the GM, I'm sure it felt short to the players too. But we'll be back rolling next week. I think that's all I've got for you. So I appreciate you all listening. Hope you all got the game some this weekend. Um, next you'll hear from me will be Hump Day Bloggerama, of course. So I've been setting aside some cool blog posts and stuff like that as, as we get into the early part of next week i'll start putting it together and start the whole thing over again uh, i want to thank folks for backing me on patreon been picking up a couple been losing a couple you know it is what it is but uh, those of you out there support me please know that i really appreciate you if anybody else there out there wants to back uh, what i'm doing it's just a dollar a month so you want to throw a dollar a month in the old tip jar you can go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater to do so. I still haven't gotten a hookup with a sponsor from, from anchor. Um, starting to wonder if one will ever come, you know, they used to send me a couple here and there, but I'd usually turn them down cause they were kind of like one thing was like a tuxedo store or something, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, nah, doesn't really fit the show, but if anybody out there is trying to plug something, trying to uh, advertise something gaming related and wants to talk about doing a sponsorship on the Thought Eater podcast, let me know. We can talk about it. Anybody on any of these topics, any of my shows can send me a message on the Anchor app or email me at frothsoftfrothsof at gmail.com. Check out the blog, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. I think that's all I've got for you. So Logan, take it away. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade, zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater, gonna blow your mind. Boom, 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 boom.